2,000 years ago, Jesus told us that we are a city on a hill and the light of the world. Now, more than ever, the world needs the church to be a light in the darkness, a beacon of hope, a place to belong. All around us, neighbors, family, friends are desperately searching for a refuge in the wilderness, for an anchor in the storm, for a place to belong. It's time to show them who the church really is. Welcome them in. Welcome them back. Because it's who we are. It's who we were always meant to be. Let's remind the world that they matter to God. No matter what they've been through, no matter how far they feel from faith, no conditions, no judgment, just love. And that this is truly a place to belong. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody say, we are that church. Come on, y'all can give Jesus Christ another praise offering in the house. It never gets old. Amen. Never gets old. Well, that's funny that, that I said that because that's kind of where we're going tonight. Everybody say, right place. Right time. I don't know if you came here on purpose or if, or if you're here on accident or you felt like you got set up, but you are in the right place at the right time. I really Really believe that. Well, as you know, we have been in a series. Um, we hit, we keep hitting pause and start, pause and start. But as long as you're taking notes, you're good to go. How many note takers in the house tonight? The rest of y'all that don't have your hand up, you had to. Y'all remember cheaters and how y'all know how we did in school. We let somebody else take the notes for us. Then we, you know, hey, I got a pizza. I'm coming to your house tonight. We gonna we gonna look over your notes. Amen. 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 Well, we've, we're in this series uh, entitled Activating God's Exceedingly Abundantly. That's where we have been. But I'm going to give you a curveball tonight. Everybody say curveball. I'm going to throw a curveball at you because what I want to do is I know I, I was supposed to give you three points from that series. And I gave you the first two. And I'm going to give you the third one tonight. And it's going to segue. Everybody say segue. Not that thing you ride. Isn't it, isn't it called a segue? Is that what those things are called? I, that is on my bucket list to ride one of those things. I'm not saying I'll be perfect at it, and there can be no video cameras because I have a, I have, I, I have, the, I'm prone to injuries and accidents. So maybe I should probably remove that off my bucket list. But, but we're going to segue from activating God's ex- exceedingly abundantly into the direction I believe God wants to speak to each one of us tonight. So we're looking at. Uh, from that series, Activating God's Exceedingly Abundantly, we were talking about uh, how to activate God's power, God's prosperity, and God's purpose. Just because God's word says all of those things are ours, just because we have access to those things, doesn't necessarily mean as believers that we've activated them. Amen? So, so the first point was to activate the power of God, and we talked about being instant in prayer. Meaning, if somebody that you work with comes up and says, hey, I'm having this issue in my, in my life and my family, don't say, hey, I'm going to put you on the prayer list at church. We said what? Be what? 
Be instant in prayer. Be all about it. Let be expose them not only to the power of God, but to the presence of God, and to also expose them to a genuineness that you have in your relationship. And they'll be like, wow, this is really, this isn't something we read about in a book that blow the dust off. This is really something that they must believe in. So be instant in prayer. Then we talked about how to activate the prosperity of God. And everybody in the church gets all tense when you say prosperity. But we talked about what, what the biblical definition of godly prosperity is that you have enough to meet your needs and then enough left over to meet the needs of someone else. Because every one of us has needs. When, when Friday rolls around and groceries are empty in the Weber house, we don't roll over to Gainesville and roll up in Publix and go, hey, I'm a pastor, Bradley, I'm here all the time, free groceries. Like, it don't happen that way. How many knows you got to swipe, put the card in, y'all remember, check, cash, or charge. Y'all remember, y'all, some of y'all remember, cash, check, or charge. But, so, so, so that's, that's kind of what we think about when we think the prosperity of God. But this is how do we activate the prosperity of God? By putting God first in our finances, okay? And then the third point uh, was how do we activate the purpose of God, okay? And this is the third point for those that are taking notes. By following our flow of concern. By following your flow of concern. There's a prayer that I prayed a long time ago and I share it with you guys frequently in the house. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. When we no longer follow the flow of concern, when we are no longer concerned with what God is concerned about, that's when, that's when the purpose of God will, will cease or dry up in your life. And today, and I was looking back over my notes, I started thinking about this, and I started doing it backwards. I thought, okay, if, if I no longer follow the flow, if my heart is no longer concerned about those in need, okay, then, then I no longer have purpose, I'm not about his purpose. And then what happens is, well, if I'm not about his purpose and what God wants to do and how he wants to use me, don't break because I can't see without these things. Okay, perfect. What was I saying? Yeah, if you, if you, if you lose your glasses, <laughs> God, help me see, correct my vision. No, if you lose the purpose of God, and, you're, and you, you're totally losing the flow of what he wants you to do, you'll have no concern with God's prosperity or trying to help meet the needs of other people. It just won't be a concern to yours. So when you lose your purpose, you'll no longer have God's prosperity, and then all kinds of crazy stuff happens. Life happens, right? Life, life happens. And then, and then we're like, well, God's really not that good, and maybe God's just not that powerful. And then what do we do? We slip out of church. So we, we lose purpose, we lose our prosperity, and then we, and we no longer have active or have activated the power of God. And then something very dangerous happens. We get bored. Oh, me. We get bored. Insert segue. Here we go. It is the number one cause that stops us from following our flow of concern. Boredom. I'm not going to ask you, but I'm sure the room would be woo, hands all over. How many have ever been bored? Keep your hands down. How many have ever been bored in church? I mean, it's just been boring. Hopefully it's not tonight. <laughs> but, 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 but it's true. It's the number one cause that stops us from following the flow of concern. What is our concern? Whatever God's concerned with. It stops us. It's called boredom. It's the, it's the one thing that is the greatest self 
self-inflicting threat to our Christian walk. It's self-inflicting. We allow ourselves to become bored. Matter of fact, it's one of the nation's leading causes of divorce. Bored. They don't put that on the document when you sign your divorce papers. It's something really intellectual like, how do you say that word, baby? I always mess it up. I can't even say it if I wouldn't put on the spot. Y'all know the word. Y'all just can't get along. But that's really not what happens. What happens? I got bored. I get bored in the bedroom. I get bored on dates. I get bored when we go on family vacation. So when we go out to dinner during the week, I stay on my phone. Why? Because I'm bored. Matter of fact, people leave churches. All my, my girls are looking at me going, that was you last night. No, it wasn't me last night. It was somebody else at the table. I was making a conscious effort to keep my phone on my leg. Okay. Be about your family. Be present when you're present. Amen? Same thing in church. Be present when you're here. Be here. Don't, don't bodily be here and let your mind go somewhere else. I can spot y'all out. It's almost like I can see y'all planning vacations and stuff. But it is, it, is, it is the number one thing that is responsible for people making mass exoduses out of church. It's because they become bored. If you brought your Bibles with you tonight, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews, chapter 12. We're going to read verse 15, 16, and 17. Hebrews, chapter 15. Chapter 12, verse 15. If you're there, say, I am there. All right, and it should be on the screen. Here we go. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Another translation says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Verse 16. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. I want to read the message translation to you tonight. I just, I like the way this Same verse, but this is what it says. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. Everybody say discontent. Or you could say bored. A thistle or two gone, excuse me, a thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late. Tears or no tears. How many know sometimes tears does not move God? Just like tears tears from our daughter sometimes don't move daddy. Because I don't know what, there's got to be a class somewhere in elementary middle school that they're teaching our daughters the good dudes, guys, we don't, we don't take that class. But there's got to be one they're signing up for on how to turn the waterworks on in a moment. Anybody got baby girls in the house? I mean, you'll be like, you'll be like, I don't know, it'll be something crazy, silly, and they just walk out and start crying. And you're like, 
I'm looking at Amy like, what, what just happened? That doesn't move, Daddy, because I know there is a, there's a motive going on that trying to get what I want. See, sometimes that same thing doesn't happen with Jesus or God when he looks down on us and we turn on the, oh, my God. He's not freaking out because he knows there's an ulterior motive that we're trying to get our way. And the church said, oh, me. <laughs> we preaching tonight. We preaching tonight. So I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you for just a moment from the subject, bored with what I have. Bored with what I have. So the question I want to ask you tonight is this. How many of you have something that you are addicted to? Looking for honest people. Now, I'm not talking about drugs, alcohol, or Krispy Kreme donut stores. Somebody say, what in the world? You pull that up to everything. What is Krispy Kreme donut stores have... Like, how in the world does that measure up with drugs and alcohol? I'll tell you how. Because Krispy Kreme donuts are of God. But those stores that they put on every corner, when you're trying to, you know, diet and do better, those stores are of the devil. Amen. But I am still accepting uh, gift cards and, and, and <laughs> coupons. <laughs> Actually, I still have some. I got to tuck them away because Amy Weber's not that she wants them. She wants to hide them because she knows I don't need them. And I, as a matter of fact, I hit them. We were there yesterday, not Krispy Kreme, because I couldn't find my coupon. I hit it so much, I couldn't remember what I did with it. But today, during the hours that I was at home alone, I found them, and they have, they're back in my possession. So it will be a good day at Krispy Kreme. But, but the store is from the devil. Anybody got, anybody got things you're addicted to? So, so I'm, I'm talking about things like clothes and books you like to read. Any, any readers in the house like to read purses? Okay, ladies, it's your time to be honest, Mrs. Weber. Purses, um, shoes. I might as well go for broke. I done pulled her out, so I might as well. The spotlight's on. I'm just going for broke tonight. Shoes. I, I may or may not be addicted to jeans and shoes. You may come to my closet and be like, yeah, he's guilty. You got me. But don't, but don't be judging me because just because... My addiction looks a little different than yours. Some of y'all got like cabinets with guns, like with lockdown, like, you know what I'm saying, guns and, and fishing poles and things like that. So don't be judging me because I have a, a taste for shoes and you got a taste for sitting out in the sun all day catching fish. Jesus, help us. That's what I'm saying. Jesus, help us catch all the fish right now so we can leave and go home. <laughs> There's another story about a shark catcher in the, in the house tonight, but I won't bring her to the surface, Amy Weber. But it's a condition, addiction. It's a condition that we all wrestle with. We have an addiction for new. We have an addiction for new. We love new. Anybody love new? We love new houses. We have nice houses, but we still search the internet for new houses. You got a purse that's like two weeks old, but there's something, there's something different about the purse that's on its way via um, Amazon Prime. See, you got a new purse. Okay, I'm, I'm meddling now. I really am meddling on purpose too. I figured if I got a crowd, I'm not going to get beat up. But we like new things. We like new houses and we like new cars. It, but it's a re- listen, it's a, real, it's a real human condition that we all at some time wrestle with. And it's dangerous to this phenomenon called boredom. Boredom. We live in a society and in a culture that's been conditioned to focus on everything new. 
We have TV shows about how we can come into your house and make it prettier and entice you to either love it or list it. Why? Because we have this thing that we, that's been programmed in us to find something new. Something new. I, I remember, I'll never forget last year. I probably told y'all this. Ansley started school and one of her friends said, are those new jeans? This is the first week of school. Are those new jeans or are those last year's jeans? My child had new jeans. But what is the concern with new? New. Everybody say new. So much of our culture is driven by the question, have you got something new? Why? Because of its newness or because it's, if it's new, it has greater value. Again, we're talking about being bored, okay? Is it new? Well, I don't like him and I don't like her. We've been married for 25 years. I got to have something new. I don't like this car. It's paid off. It's still rolling, not even leaking oil, but I got to have something new. I've been in this church for a real long time. I pay my tithe. I serve and I do all this stuff. But I, I, something about I just ain't right in me. Oh, you got that part right. So I need something new. Hmm. Here enters the problem. When we become a Jesus follower or a Christian, we become born again. At the same time, we live in a culture that is motivated by everything new. So we're saved, but yet we're surrounded by this culture that says, you got to have something new. I'm talking major pressure. iPhones. You can have an iPhone, but if Apple comes out or whoever your carrier is, they come out with a newer version of what you have, even though you just got it last year, there's not even any skid marks on it, no scratch marks. But what do you got to do? Baby, can I get something new? Now I'm working on me. Y'all think I pick on Amy? Now I'm talking about me tonight. Why? Because there's something about the, the, the glossy, the newness, the newness. We become bored with what we have. So then here comes God. He doesn't necessarily do new things based on our culture or context. So we insert frustration. We become frustrated. It's the, it's the, it's the steps down that lead to boredom that then lead to decisions that can alter God's power, God's prosperity, and God's purpose for our life. This is what we need to understand. The writer of Hebrews was writing to the, the, the Jewish believers or the church. They had everything going, everything was going right. But then all of a sudden, that subject we just talked about a few minutes ago, life happens. Anybody had life happen? Unexpected things you didn't see coming. Or matter of fact, you knew it was coming because you made a bad decision. So you knew it was coming. Hit me with your best shot, right? Just come on with it. I'm ready for this. So, 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 so everything good was happening for them, but then all of a sudden life happens, and so he writes this letter to the church, and the writer is saying, don't give up. He never promised us a problem-free life. Hello? That should just take the weight off of some of us because we're getting so stressed out because there's issues and problems. I saw this today on Twitter. I don't get on it much, but I saw it today. Just because things are crazy, see, God is in control. But just because things get crazy doesn't mean that he's not still in control. 
We lose our, we lose our mind. That's probably why I got, that's probably why I am bald. Because I, 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 when things get out of whack, I go crazy. But I'm learning to understand, learning to understand. I'm learning and understanding to trust Him. And maybe that's the, maybe that's the, that, that's what I'm needing to grasp is that when I trust Him, Everything else is going to work out. It may not work out the way I think it needs to, but I, I refuse to become bored and step away from what God has called me to. Well, you're talking about you're a pastor, but we don't do it. No, no, no. I'm saying he called you to a marriage. He called you to a job. He made you responsible for children. Matter of fact, he put you in Chiefland, Florida to, and give you some responsibility To manage his word because other people are watching you. You can't become bored with what God's called you to. Sweating too. And so, so, so verse 15 says, see to it that no one misses out on the grace of God. This is interesting to me. This is interesting. He's writing to believers who've experienced grace. When I read this a few weeks ago, and I have actually made reference to it, when he's writing this, he's not writing to people who are lost, who don't, who've never received Christ and don't know anything about grace. He's talking to the church. See to it that no one misses out on grace. See to it. So I'm thinking, how does someone who knows Jesus, who loves Jesus, who's accepted Jesus and the grace of Jesus, how, how can they miss out on obtaining the grace of God? I'll tell you how. <laughs> it's what Galatians says when it says, you set aside grace. This is grace. <laughs> Actually, it is. <laughs> Because grace isn't an object. Grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And he also says, I'm the word. So, so, so I set aside grace. Why would I do that? Because I've become bored. Galatians 5 says, you've fallen away from the grace of God. How does someone who's been forever forgiven, all of our, all of our sins, past, present, and future sins have all been forgiven. So how in the world do we miss out or set aside Grace, how do you fall from grace? I'll tell you exactly how. It just gets old. It just gets old. Yeah, this is, this is, a, this is just a collection of talks that we're pushing on each other just a little bit because he was pushing on me, so I feel like, you know, push a little, push a little on y'all because we all need to be pushed a little bit because the direction we're supposed to be going is forward. And if you're stalling, you stalling, you keeping me from moving, guess what? I'm not going to push you down or slide, slide you to the back. I'm saying, come on, well, there's one direction we're both supposed to be going, and it's forward. And when you get bored, guess what happens? You went from running this race called the Christian walk to I get tripped up. Well, God, what happened? No, what happened? We want to blame everything on God. God, you gave me this wife. She's crazy. Then you gave me these kids. No, no, no. You had a little something to do with it, mister. Just like I did. God, what, what'd you do? No, he's saying, what'd you do? And now what you going to do with what you have? Don't become bored with what you have. So this isn't just a message to the church about the church. It's a message to the church about what you have. 
your marriage, your family, your responsibility, your obligations, and as a part of the church. The church, not, oh, forward. No, we are a body, one body, many parts, one church. Everybody say one church. So, so, so we, we, we go, oh yeah, the grace of God, I know all about that. Now see, what happens is, because we become bored with it, it becomes a phrase or a jargon. Kind of like when you see somebody, oh, praise the Lord. And they turn their back and they got this frown on their face. What happened to the praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Mm, stuff just not working out. My, But praise the Lord. See, one way to detect if you've been bitten by the boredom bug is when someone stands up and says something like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we say, oh yeah, I know that song. Oh, pastor, we've, we've heard that message on grace. Been in church a long time, probably know more about it than you do. That's somebody who's been bitten by the boredom bug. We, we still talking about Grace. Yeah, we're still talking about Jesus. Boredom. Bug. We say things like, oh, this message again? Easter rolls around. The worship leader comes up. We serve a risen Savior. Yes, we do. He is alive. Somebody say, we get it, Pastor. Can you calm down a little bit? See, y'all think that's funny, but that's the kind of stuff that's happening in churches all across the world. Why? Because people have bitten, been bitten by the boredom bug. You might want to check under your seat and see if there's any living in there. Down below, under the seats. <clears throat> or maybe you carried some in here with you tonight. It's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place to become bored. See, what's amazing is these Hebrews seem to be, to be tempted and have forgotten what they have. Same thing happens for you and I. Life happens and we become bored and we forget what we have. I, matter of fact, Sunday morning, those of you that were here, I told you to close your eyes and picture in your mind that time, that experience in your life where you were desperate and you needed God. You weren't bored then. No, you were desperate. See, we forget what we have. But we need, we, need to, we need to come back. Maybe we need to come back to the old rugged cross. Lights and things are great. But when our, li- when our attention gets shifted off of the main thing, our lives start taking an al- al- alternative route. And we become bored. We become bored. The challenge for you and I is to recall and remember what we really have in Jesus. See to it that no one misses out on the grace. That's our responsibility, to see to it. Not just for the lost, not just for the people that we come in contact with every day that don't know Jesus, but we are to make sure that person that I was just referring to that kind of stumbles along the way, the journey that we're all on together, it's our responsibility to make sure they don't set aside and walk away from what they've been given. Just because you walk away doesn't mean it's still yours, but you've not activated God's power, His provision, and His purpose for your life because you're bored. Oh, I'm talking to me tonight. Matter of fact, I had a conversation with Amy going down the road. I said, I'm tired of singing tracks for worship. I'm tired of singing tracks because I'm 42, I think, 42. 
something, somewhere in there. 42, and I've got to remember how, because they're not tracks like we used to get on, on cassette tapes. They're, we get the tracks that are actually recorded at live worship experiences so that we can have more of a live worship experience, but then i got to memorize exactly the flow of the band. See, I'm used to having a live worship team. And so, so I'm complaining. I, I'm bored. I literally said it. I'm bored with doing tracks. But, but, but God said, but who's it, who's it for? I'm not bored. I still love to hear you say, first and only in my life. Be my heart's obsession. He, he likes to hear that. It don't matter if it's a track or if it's a cappella. Don't become bored. So you're, somebody said, man, you firing shots around the room. No, they bouncing back because I was talking to me. And I pray, God, you know, I try to come up with really cool, cool titles. And he dropped that in my spirit. And I was like, no, that's too close to home. Bored with what I have. (laughs) What am I saying? Listen, grace is a gift from the Father who is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. We just receive it. Listen, what am I saying? Beware of the temptation and opportunity to become bored with it. I'm speaking to leaders and volunteers in this house. Hello. Mic check. One, two. Can you hear me? Leaders and volunteers, don't become bored with the responsibility that you have. Whether it's taking trash out, whether it's greeting at the front door, whether it's bringing up a, a, a table we call a podium, whatever, whatever God has called you and is allowing, listen, he's allowing us to do this. Don't look for lights in the platform. You need to, remember what I said, the safest place you can be is down low. I keep going back to Sunday because Sunday was something for me. I walked out of the house going, Jesus, you spoke to me. I don't know if anybody else got anything. Don't become bored. Why are we here tonight? I'm getting ready to wrap this up. Why are we here? We are here tonight to celebrate news. That's why we show up, to celebrate news. People all the time who come in and visit, whether they're from out of town, and normally it's the people from out of town that are coming through, and they're like, hey, we love your church. They're so positive. I'm like, we don't have a choice. Because we wrap our heads around and our minds around the good news. The gospel literally translates to news that is good. Why would we come in here and talk about anything else that's not good when we can do that all day long? There's a particular guy in town who has Sirius XM radio. When I detail his truck, he's always got some news station on. i got to turn that junk off. Why? Because there's so much bad news, it pollutes my mind. And then I become to believe and think that maybe I'm bored. Some of y'all need to turn off some things you're listening to. And if they don't have a power button, maybe you need to delete them from your phone contact list or just turn and walk away. Some of y'all been looking for the mute button for people. The mute button is when you walk your tail away. That's the mute button. You activate it. Because they enjoy listening to themselves talk. Sometimes you got to walk away. 
this news has stood the test of time. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the news of Jesus. We're supposed to tell others about this news. We're supposed to stay excited about this news. We're supposed to stay inspired about this news. See, when you stay inspired, when you inspire yourself, when you when you constantly stay in the Word and listening to podcasts and, and, and you'll stay inspired and there'll be no way for the enemy to come up and start throwing darts in your way, in your direction that says, maybe I'm just bored and need to try something new. We're supposed to be singing about the good news. We're supposed to be dancing about the good news. We're supposed to be loving people in our city so they can see an example of what the good news is all about. We're supposed to be on time at our job. I didn't think I'd get an amen out of that. Y'all was loving it up a while ago when I said stay excited, but somebody said I'm supposed to serve my boss? Absolutely. You want a paycheck, don't you? If you don't like the job you got, talk to the one who gave it to you. Oh, but I passed that interview with flying colors. Who gave you the education and the words to speak that, that mesmerized that person sitting across the desk? Jesus. Don't become bored with what you have. Called a J-O-B. Don't become bored with where God has you. Stay, I'll never forget what Dad taught me years and years. Stay faithful in the little things and God will, God will exceed do exceedingly abundantly. We're supposed to be good employees. How are we doing on that, church? Why? Because we're so filled with the good news about Jesus and all that He's done. It's the good news. Everybody say good news. It don't matter if you don't like it or not. It's still the good news. The reason we don't like it is because it's pressing on us to do something else. And now the preacher done got up there and called us out talking about we might be bored. If you don't like how your life is currently being defined, you need to get back into the good news. You're the author. He's the author. But he, but he, he gives us the pen to write, our, to write out what we're doing. What, how are you doing with that? What can people, when, when, you, when you go six feet under, what are people going to talk about in your life? Is it something good or, well, bless God, they were, they were good sometimes, but I'm kind of glad they gone because they was negative all the time. Why? Because they were bored. They were bored. You can spot them. You can spot them. Bit by the boredom bug. But Pastor B, I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying about being good. And, but, 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 but my life is actually going, it's not really going great right now. Come back in two weeks. And we're going to talk, talk about this. See, we needed to talk, we needed to talk, we needed to talk for 30 minutes. We needed to talk about grace. And how we can become bored and set it aside. Then what we needed, once we, be, once we begin focusing on moving forward... Then we need to talk about how the root of bitterness can come up, come back in. Just because you cleared that land and, and got all the weeds out and just planted some seeds and now you're waiting for a harvest. Don't, if you don't show that thing some attention, there'll be some, there'll be some green weeds that will try to come and, and corrupt the seed and, and try to take the life back out of the seed. And you'll become bored. So, so in two weeks, we're going to talk about 
how do we look? What are we looking for? To make sure that the root of bitterness doesn't come up. It's real easy to get bitter. You can see it on people's faces. When they're bored, they become bitter. Some of y'all looking at me like, We get tired. We get, we get bored. Things aren't going good. So we start to think, well, maybe God really, maybe God really isn't that good at all. Remember what I said? Just because things are seem out of control doesn't mean that He's still not in control. Let me speak that over your life. Just because there's some crazy things going on in your life that you can't understand. I was I was in a in a situation early on this week and I heard some things going on, and then I heard somebody else say, but God is in control. And if it's meant to be, it'll happen. See, when we lose trust and faith that God is really in control, it don't matter how crazy things get. Sometimes the craziness is you. Sometimes the craziness is me. And I got to get back and go, God, I got I to get down low. I got to get with you because I'm out here and, I'm, and things start to get crazy. So don't become bored with what you have. That's it for tonight. Don't become bored with what you have. You can walk out of here tonight and do anything. We're gone. We're gone. Do a benediction prayer and we're done tonight. No altar call. But, but, but your, your, your homework, your challenge is to be thinking about all the things that you have in your life. That God's given you. You're responsible for. Job, education, spouse, family. Some of you are are maybe raising your parents again. Maybe they've moved back in your house. We pray, we pray for you. Just playing. I was just thinking about that. What that'd be like for me? Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I don't know. Whatever God is, whatever God has given you, don't become bored with it. It's dangerous. You become bored with it, you'll become bitter. I promise, you'll become bitter. On my job. Back in the day, oh, I was bored. I became bitter, and I told it from the mountaintop, talking about everybody. Don't become bored, because you're a danger to yourself and to others. That's it. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you that it. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.